We look now at a community project in Nantou that's been helping local elderly people for more than 20 years. The charity Bento Project first began to help people displaced by the Gigi earthquake in 1999. But after the disaster had passed, the project just kept on growing. Its mission is to give tasty lunches to elderly people living alone. Now it covers 18 villages in the Zhongliao Township providing kindness to thousands of older adults whose family is far away. Braised pork belly bubbles in a pot. The kitchen staff rushed off their feet, getting all of these delicious dishes into individual boxes. Donations from various sources have declined because of the pandemic, but our association is still operating as normal. These charity bento boxes were first launched in Nantou's Zhongliao Township after the 1999 Gigi earthquake. Local resident Liao Jianyi began distributing the boxes to displaced people in the township. He didn't realize at the time that he was beginning a tradition that would go on for more than 20 years. The Lungyan Lin Association was founded with Liao as Secretary General, and all the older residents of the town were invited to join the kitchen party. Some take to their scooters to deliver the boxes to elderly people who might appreciate them. More than 2.5 million boxes have now been given away. Our elderly neighbors can relax. The food tastes good and they can let their children or grandchildren go out to work without worrying about them. Many younger people leave the township to go to work in other counties or cities. That's why there are so many elderly people living alone in Zhongliao. The charity Bento Project is always growing and is now spread over 18 villages, letting local people know that their neighbours care. The earthquakes on September 18th seem to have scared off many vacationers from traveling to the East Coast over National Day long weekend. Hotel occupancy in southern Hualien stands at just 45% for the holiday. It's even lower in Sika Mountain where occupancy has plummeted to 20% after hundreds of tourists were left stranded in the area after the quake. Over in Taidong, occupancy is at around 70%. Let's hear from local tourism associations. Currently, we're seeing slower growth in occupancy during the National Day long weekend in comparison with previous years. I think that shows people are still concerned about the earthquake. In northern Hualien, occupancy has reached 80%. But in southern Hualien, there is some struggle and occupancy is still at just 60% more or less. That's a drop from the same period last year. On the mountain, occupancy is at just 10% to 20%. It may only be after October 6, when the road is repaired, that we may see tourists coming back. Hotels in Hualien and Taidong say they have also seen many cancellations for the weekend. One factor that could be affecting the bookings is the disruption of rail services on the East Coast. Currently, areas of Taidong are only accessible by bus, which increases travel times considerably. To keep tourism numbers up, the Directorate General of Highways has released an array of discounts for coach bus routes, and local governments have launched subsidies for travelers. An advanced biomass research center was inaugurated on Saturday as part of the Ministry of Economic Affairs' promotion of a circular economy. At the event, Tai Sugar and the Industrial Technology Research Institute signed a Memorandum of Understanding to establish a technologically integrated company to develop new enzymes. The move is touted as a step forward for Taiwan's biomass industry.
与时俱进，持续创新。In its promotion of a circular economy, the Economics Ministry has invested heavily in circular materials research in southern Taiwan. The ministry teamed up with Taiwan Sugar Corporation, which has a long history of biotech research and development, to establish the Advanced Biomaterial Center on Saturday. The ministry hopes the center will help Thai sugar build on the advancements it's already made in areas such as biological enzymes. In all areas of production, Thai sugar has experience. This is not a problem. Another major advantage that Thai sugar has is the ability to test whether the things it produces are usable. The company has its own pig farm where it can test things. In this way, we are able to get things to market faster. Deputy Economics Minister Zheng Wensheng, Thai Sugar Chairman Chen Zhaoyi, and others pull on ribbons to unveil the new center's plaque. Researchers from Thai Sugar and Academia Sinica also signed a memorandum of understanding to establish Taiwan's first technologically integrated enzyme company. In the future, they will conduct research and development in several fields, including key enzymes, plant-derived substances for the healthcare industry, and biomass materials. At eTree, we will make use of trial mass production and factories producing genetically modified products to help them connect to industry faster. We are also inviting domestic manufacturers to work with us on research and development, especially those companies that already produce enzymes. In the future, before we get to the production stage, we can cooperate on some of the research. I believe that will speed up the research process. The Economics Ministry hopes to continue working with industry and research agencies in the future in hopes of accelerating development toward a circular economy that integrates sustainable materials, manufacturing techniques and regulations, and business models. A second round of Moderna's next-gen COVID vaccines rolled out on Monday. In Taipei, large crowds formed outside vaccination sites, which also offer shots against the seasonal flu. Doctors remind the general public that the two vaccines can be administered together safely. Let's hear from a doctor. Previously, it was advised to leave an interval of seven days between the different shots. For example, you took the COVID shot first, then waited seven days before getting the flu shot. That's no longer necessary. In the U.S., they found that you could just get the COVID shot on your left arm and the flu shot on your right arm. That's more or less how it goes in Taiwan now. If you have COVID-like symptoms but you keep testing negative on rapid tests, doctors say you might have just caught the flu. They remind the general public that with flu season approaching, severe flu cases have a mortality rate as high as 20%. They urge vulnerable groups to get vaccinated as soon as possible to be protected against both COVID and the flu. The pandemic has hit Taiwan's economy, and many young people are still struggling to recover from the blow. But some have found innovative ways to follow their dreams and make big things happen. Today, we look at the inspiring story of Wu Boxin. The 26-year-old cameraman opened his own Thai curry restaurant during the pandemic. Despite suffering a traffic accident just as he opened his business, the young entrepreneur is going from strength to strength. Fresh slices of beef are placed in a frying pan and sautéed. While they're simmering, the chef fills a bowl with rice before spooning Thai green curry onto the medium rare beef. At the age of 26, Wu Bo Xian runs this entire restaurant alone. In less than five minutes, a steaming bowl of green curry and rice is served. 
curry. This is the special green curry as well as the light chilli flavoured red curry and yellow curry with ginger and medicinal herbs. Thai curry gets a Taiwanese twist. Wu and his business partner developed these recipes over five months last year. I was eating curry every single day at that time. Last year, while the pandemic was more serious, all of our events and shoots and cases all got postponed. The days of the level 3 alert are still painful to think about. Wu is a professional cameraman, but COVID shut down his crew and left him with no income. That's when he decided to start a new business with a friend. Many restaurants were shutting down at the time and venue rents were cheap, allowing him to open this restaurant, paying rent of less than 30,000 NT a month. Lots of restaurants had shut down. A crisis can also be a turning point. At that time, the rents had to be falling because they wanted to get new people in. So we thought it could be an opportunity. Although he doesn't have a culinary education, Wu thought he could succeed with Thai curry, which he's always been good at making at home. But the best laid plans of mice and men go off awry. Two days before the restaurant's big opening, Wu was in a traffic accident. I took two months off. We only started operating officially in November. In that time, commodity prices went up again. We couldn't possibly raise the prices straight after opening the restaurant. Just the beef itself had risen in price by 30 to 40 percent. Wool was shocked to find his profits wouldn't cover inflation. But the restaurant didn't put up prices, instead absorbing the inflated prices of ingredients. Wool took his own photos of the dishes to advertise on delivery platforms and increase their exposure by offering an online buy one get one free offer on drinks. After joining delivery platforms, they went from selling 10 to 20 bowls of curry a day to more than 50. If you have an opportunity and an idea, the sooner you start your own business, the more effect it will have on you. Now working both as a chef and as a cameraman, Wu is hopeful he can earn enough to pay back his startup debts. He says young people with a wish shouldn't be put off by the fear of failure, but give their dreams a shot. A group of design students have brought fresh air into the koi carp industry. Although koi have a long history in Taiwan, the market has faltered in recent years. Now, a group of design students from Zhongyuan Christian University have reimagined koi for young people. Their fashionable designs bring a new angle to classic Hakka textiles. The koi carp in this pool are symbols of good luck and prosperity. The koi industry in Taoyuan was once thriving. Now, as customers dwindle, business is tough. These socks have big koi eyes on the top. The back is as colorful as any fancy fish. Students of commercial design at Zhongyuan Christian University hold up their designs with pride. They worked with carp designers in Longtan to bring koi back to business. I think it's such a colorful, bright and exciting scene when there are lots of koi carp swimming in a pool. There's a really cool little thing here. This is the head of the carp and this is the tail. When you put them together like this, the entire fish appears. If you have a lot of bottles all lined up like this, you can see clearly. It's like a big group of fish swimming in the water. We hope that the image of the carp altogether will make people think of the natural ecology of the mountains and rivers here, or of a gathering of distinguished people. It's really impressive and lively. 
These bottles are decorated with the red of carp, the green of the mountain peaks, and the yellow of the lupin flower. All the products combine carp with local emblems. The t-shirts, cushions, and umbrellas here all feature carp in bright colors. The traditional flower patterns found on Hakka textiles have been swapped by fish. They're quite special. Usually we see carp drawn in a traditional Chinese painting style. In the past, it always seemed to me that it was usually older people who were interested in koi carp or who paid that attention, and it seemed to be a rather male market. We want it to be more approachable and even take the products to markets for parents and children. It's the creation of our students and graduate students. Koi carp is actually a part of Taiwanese culture with a very long history. We want to bring carp to a younger market. Although exotic looking in the West, in Taiwan, koi seem like a rather traditional pursuit. The innovative designs could breathe fresh life into the image of fish rearing. President Tsai Ing-wen on Monday received a delegation of German lawmakers at the presidential office. It's the first delegation from the European country to visit Taiwan in three years. During the meeting with Tsai, the head of the group reiterated Germany's support for Taiwan. He added that Germany would stand up for and assist Taiwan should Taiwan be threatened militarily. Today, October 3rd, is Germany's National Day. On behalf of all of the people of Taiwan, I would like to congratulate Germany. I hope you have a good day. President Tsai Ing-wen on Monday received a delegation of German parliamentarians. It is the first official delegation from Germany to visit Taiwan in three years. The group is formed by members from six ruling and opposition parties. Tsai said their visit carried special significance. You are the first delegation to visit Taiwan since the start of the COVID pandemic. There are members from ruling and opposition parties in the Bundestag, making the occasion especially significant. Democracies should unite and cooperate to defend and reassert their commitment to the values of freedom and democracy. Taiwan hopes to continue deepening its cooperation with Germany in all areas. Tsai took the opportunity to thank Germany for reiterating its resolute support for Taiwan after China launched large-scale military exercises around Taiwan in August. The delegation's leader said that Germany would stand for Taiwan should Taiwan be threatened militarily in the future. Taiwan should be proud of its democratic development. The Bundestag is discussing different proposals, which say that if Taiwan were to be threatened militarily, Germany would be brave and stand up for Taiwan. We would assist Taiwan and support Taiwan. Tsai and the head of the delegation have known each other for years. Back in 2020, when Tsai secured her second term in office, he had filmed a video congratulating her on her win. The delegation is scheduled to stay in Taiwan until Thursday. Its itinerary includes meetings with many government officials, as well as events to promote bilateral trade and deeper Taiwan-Germany ties. In an interview with CNN on Sunday, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said he sees no signs of an imminent attack on Taiwan from China. However, China does appear to be normalizing its drills in the Taiwan Strait, he said. Meanwhile, Taiwan's defense ministry said it is in the process of upgrading its electronic warfare capabilities, which it says will allow it to broadcast radio signals to all of eastern China. The Chinese military continues to make incursions in disguise near Taiwan's airspace, sending warplanes and drones around the clock. 
Defense Minister Chiu Guozheng is scheduled to discuss the issue on Wednesday when he will meet with the legislature's Foreign Affairs and National Defense Committee to give a report. In the report, the military will confirm for the first time that China is normalizing incursions that pass the median line of the Taiwan Strait. In an interview on Sunday with CNN's Fareed Zakaria, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said that China did not appear to be preparing for an imminent invasion of Taiwan, but that it did seem to be creating a new normal through its drills in the Taiwan Strait. China moving to establish what we would call a new normal, uh, increased activity we saw a number of centerline crossings of the Taiwan Strait. Asked about U.S. President Joe Biden's repeated statements on a commitment to defend Taiwan with troops, Austin said that the U.S. military stood always at the ready. Biden said the United States would defend Taiwan. Is the American military prepared to do that? The, the American military is, uh, is always prepared to, uh, to protect our interests and uh, live up to our commitments. Taiwan's military is also ramping up its response to gray zone tactics used by China, such as its use of cognitive warfare. The U.S. Military Intelligence Bureau has reportedly budgeted more than 100 million NT for its operations next year, which it says will go toward improving the country's electronic warfare capabilities. Plans include the relocation of Fuxing Broadcasting Station's shortwave radio antennas, as well as the upgrade of broadcasting equipment. The Bureau says it aims for broadcasts to reach all of eastern China, from the south to the north, to strengthen radio infiltration and counter interference in the broadcast signal. During wartime, this system could be used to disturb Chinese forces or to send covert messages to agents in China. The broadcasting equipment in place now is all very old and urgently needs to be upgraded to make it ready to respond to Chinese psychological warfare efforts. China has actively invested in this area, for example with its modified Shanxi Y-8 and Y-7 transport aircraft. The upgraded Gaoxing 7 version of the Y-8 is for PSYOPs missions. It has a broadcasting system installed in its underbelly. Su said that the last time Taiwan's broadcasting equipment was upgraded was in 2016, which was done in response to China's own upgrades. He says Taiwan must continue upgrading in order to keep pace with China.